Amen. Good morning. Good morning to our viewers online as well. Uh, well, like Pam said, this is my final Sunday at Life Church. And rather than just spending my time saying goodbye, I thought I would preach the Word of God. Uh, I prayed about it, and I felt like I was supposed to preach from the book of James. Um, I always liked James. He, he's direct. He doesn't pull any punches. Uh, there are so many things that James can teach us. Um, he, talks about, he talks about being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. He talks about not just listening to God's word, but doing what it says. He talks about not giving preference to the rich over the poor. He talks about how true faith uh, results in good deeds. He talks about uh, being humble and not judging other people. Uh, he talks about patience and endurance in the midst of suffering. He talks a lot about the power of prayer. But the passage in James I want to focus on this morning is James chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it's all about taming the tongue. And so if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. We stand to honor God's word. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Let me pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray you would give us your wisdom. You would convict our hearts to change what you want us to change. And you would speak prophetically through your word to each of us here this morning. I pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. So we're talking this morning about this little three-inch muscle in our heads called a tongue. Uh, and even though it's relatively small, the tongue is powerful. All of creation, everything 
you have seen, everything you will see, God spoke it into being. The tongue forms words, and words have power. God's words have power, but ours do too. We were made in God's image, image, so our words too have a creative element to them. With our words, we can build people up or we can tear them down. We can speak words of life over people or words of death. That old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It isn't true, is it? When other people say mean things to us, it can hurt. Some of us growing up were called all kinds of names, if you can remember back that far. Um, Some of us were made fun of because of how we looked or because of our behaviors or because of the friends we hung out with uh, or because we had a different sounding name. Imagine growing up with the name Sod Sod. So I got double sod, I got dirt dirt, grass grass, uh, sod squared for the mathematically literate. Um, Because I was always overweight uh, as a kid, one kid called me Fatty Patty. In college, I met this British girl and when I told her my last name, she couldn't believe it. Like, she, she could not stop laughing because sod in England is like the F word. So imagine, like, that's your last name. Not one of them, but two of them. <laughs> so the names we call each other have power. Words have power. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring life or death. Our words have the power to heal or hurt, to build people up or to tear them down. They have the power to bless and they have the power to curse. We'll get into this concept of of blessings and curses in a minute, but I want to start with this idea from Scripture that the mouth, what we say, is a revelation of the heart. Right? Some things, sometimes we say, uh, you don't know my heart. Right? Or we say, I may have said that, but deep down in my heart, you know that I really care about you. The problem is that our words really are an overflow of what is in our hearts. Proverbs says this. Jesus says this. It's Matthew 12, uh, verse 34. Here it is in the New Living Testament. Jesus says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Or in the ESV translation, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I like it too in the the message paraphrase, uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, version. He says this, Let me tell you something. 
Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. So one of the ways that we get insight into our heart, like the center of who we are, is by letting others speak our words back to us. Right? Because sometimes we don't understand what we're saying. Right? We, don't, we don't realize how we're saying it. We don't realize how devastating it can be. So when I was a young man, uh, I would often be very hurtful with my words. Right? I, I, I've always been a very direct person. But being direct... It's not an excuse to go around like hurting people, right? And God often used my wife to help me see that, right? She would, she would say, she'd say this. She's like, do you hear yourself? Like, do you realize what it sounds like when you say such and such? And she would say that to me, right? We don't realize how easy it is to say hurtful things to people. Maybe we're hurting, Maybe we're fearful, maybe we're angry, uh, maybe we've had a really tough day. Maybe we had a parent who normalized that kind of talk. Right? For me, it was my stepfather. He taught my sister and I, uh, in a short amount of time, how to just tell it like it is. Right? Just, just speak the truth. Don't mince words. Right? But it is not enough to just speak the truth. The Bible says that. The Bible says that we are supposed to speak the truth in love. Right? I've spent my whole adult life trying not to just speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love. Or in some cases, in some cases, just learn to keep my mouth shut. Right? I'll often ask the Holy Spirit, um, should I say this? And you know, um, what I often hear him tell me is just be quiet and listen. Just be quiet and listen. Sometimes I hear that a hundred times in a day. Just be quiet and listen. We've all done it, right? We say something we don't mean, or we say something that was much harsher or more hurtful than we intended it to be, and then we realize that we've hurt someone. We wish we, could, we wish we could take back those words that we'd spoken, but we can't. Or think about the times that you've been hurt, right? Times when you've been hurt in your life by what people have said to you. Words that were spoken to you or words that were spoken about you. Sometimes we tear people down with a single misspoken word. It's interesting. There have been times when people have said to me, do you remember when you said such and such to me? And they're usually referring to something I'd said to them years ago, right? Early in my life, I would hear this phrase, right? Do you remember when you said such and such to me? And it was usually referring 
to something I said to them that was hurtful. Later in life, I would get people saying the same thing to me, right? Do you remember when you said such and such to me? But now, thank the Lord, they were referring to a word of encouragement I had given them or speaking a word of life over them or a blessing I had given them. Sometimes a prophetic word, sharing a prophetic word with them that then came true, right? And it's interesting, in both cases, uh, I usually don't remember what I'd said to them. In the former case, uh, it was something I probably just said off the cuff, right? But they held on to that for years. Something I, I misspoke without really thinking about it, um, but something that hurt them enough that they remembered that years later. And in the latter case, it was something that I said that was a blessing to them, right? Maybe even, in some cases, changing the course or the direction of their lives. And they still remembered what I had said to them years later, long after I had forgotten it. So James wouldn't have believed that sticks and stones won't break our bones, right? That words will never hurt me. He knew that the tongues, the tongue has tremendous power. In our passage today, James gives some illustrations of the power of the tongue. First, he says, the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth. Okay? A small bit of metal in a horse's mouth can turn the whole horse in whatever direction you want him to go. So one of the largest horses in history uh, was a purebred Belgian stallion named Brooklyn Supreme. Brooklyn Supreme. He weighed 3,200 pounds and stood eight feet tall to the top of his head. And yet, this giant horse, like all other horses, could be controlled with a tiny bit in his mouth. If you can control a horse's mouth, you can control the entire horse, in this case, all 3,200 pounds of him. James argues that we are the same, right? If we control our tongue, it means the control of our whole person. James also uses the analogy of the tongue being like the rudder of a ship. In World War II, the Nazis built, at the time, the largest battleship in the world, the Bismarck. It was 823 feet long. It had eight guns with shells that were about 15 inches in diameter. The Bismarck's targeting system was so precise that it blew away the HMS hood, like the pride of the Royal Navy in a single shot. So, like think of a boxing match set for 15 rounds. Two guys walk in, one guy punches the other guy, and that guy passes out, and it's over before it begins. Right? Kind of like, like Mike Tyson in his early days. If you're a boxing fan, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody else wants to get in the ring with that guy, right? So the Bismarck, as powerful as it was, had one 
small yet ultimately fatal weakness. It's rudder. So its rudder was vulnerable. It was exposed. Uh, so the Royal Navy eventually fired a torpedo that hit this rudder, which caused it to jam 15 degrees to port, just to the left, 15 degrees, right? So now the ship could only travel in a large circle. So it just kept going around in a big circle, right? And that ultimately led to the Bismarck being defeated. It couldn't maneuver anymore, right? So here's the correlation. Uh, we can feel oftentimes in our life like the Bismarck, right? Strong, successful, impenetrable. But our tongue is the vulnerable point. Even though it's small, it can be the thing that undermines everything else. James also says that the tongue is like a forest fire. It only takes a spark to get a forest fire going, right? We've all seen on the news how a wildfire can just destroy whole communities. Um, a wildfire that began with a single spark. One of the biggest forest fires in history was the Peshtigo Fire. It took place in 1871 in northern Wisconsin and the upper peninsula of Michigan. Uh, over 1,200 people died. And this was like over 150 years ago where the population was much less dense. The fire burned approximately 1,900 square miles, about half the size of Rhode Island. And the fire was so hot that the word they used to describe, like to categorize this fire, was the word firestorm. So a firestorm uh, apparently is so hot that it can turn sand into glass. It's hotter than a crematorium. So in the Pistigo fire, people were trying to escape the fire by jumping into the river. They thought that would save them. But it was so hot that people literally boiled alive. And all of that started, as all fires start, with a single spark. So they're going to put a, a painting up, a picture of a painting of the Pistigo Fire. This is, yeah, there it is. This painting is in the Pistigo Fire Museum. You can go there and, and see that. It's horrible, right? James says that a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Maybe it's, just a, maybe it's just a little thing that we said. Right? We didn't mean anything by it. But man, it ignited into a firestorm. James says in verse 6, again, he says this, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. So our tongue is a spark and has the power to unleash hell itself. That's what James says. The language James uses to describe hell is the same language that Jesus used, Gehenna, 
right? They both use this word, Gehenna, to describe hell. The end of verse 6 when it says, uh, it is set on fire by hell itself. The word there in the original Greek is Gehenna, Gehenna. So in the Gospels, Jesus uses the word Gehenna 11 times. Gehenna was initially the place outside Jerusalem where bad people would do bad things, right? Among other things, this is where uh, they went to sacrifice children by fire. Uh, This place became so detestable to God's people that they turned it into like the city dump. All the garbage would be taken out of the city, um, out to Gehenna, to this cursed place, and it would be set on fire. Uh, You could see this fire from a distance, just, just burning day and night. And so, Gehenna became an illustration of what hell is like. Isaiah uses this language, Jesus uses this language, and now James is using this language as well. So it is possible to go down to hell to get fire and then to set someone on fire with our words. We say, that's not what I intended at all. But that's what a little spark can do. We've all done it at some point or another. When I was a boy, I was, I was curious about a lot of things and often not supervised. That's a deadly combination. Uh, but one of the things I was fascinated with was fire. Uh, so one day, I was about seven or eight years old. Um, I was outside of our apartment complex uh, by the road playing with matches. I don't even know what I was trying to do. Um, but an area about 30 feet long and about six feet wide caught fire. I mean, just going, right? Whole side of the road was on fire. The fire department uh, was eventually called, and they came, and they put it out, and they asked me, who started it? Uh, I said, oh, someone, someone else started it, and they ran off, and I saw it, and I came to just put it out. I'm sure they knew that I was lying. They asked me where I lived, and uh, I pointed to our apartment. And I was, I was sick with worry for like weeks uh, that they would come and arrest me, but they never did. So maybe you weren't a pyro like me, uh, but we've all done this with our words. Uh, we play with a little spark, not realizing how quickly the fire can spread and how much damage we can do. Before you know it, uh, that fire has spread, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Now, James, too, says that we have both the capacity to bless and to curse. He says this in verses 9 and 10. Sometimes it, the tongue, praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. 
So over the years, I've, I've been in different settings um, where we've practiced speaking words of life over people and praying prayers of blessing over people. Right? I've done this in small groups. I've done this in ministries. I've served, done this on various leadership teams. Uh, when I was in Kansas City, we did this every year with a, our group of pastoral interns. We also did it every year as part of our confirmation class with the kids. We'd actually have the parents um, speak blessings over their children uh, right there in front of everyone. And sometimes it was literally the first time that parent had spoken blessings over their child. Every time you do that, uh, it can be a powerful experience, right? It has the potential to change the course of a person's life. So maybe in the past, uh, you hurt people with your words, hurt them so much that for years they remembered what you said to them. But now, starting today, right, you can begin to speak words of blessing and healing and life over people, over your loved ones, over your children, over your coworkers over your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Life Church. We can literally change the course of a person's life by speaking words of life and speaking blessings over them. We all need this. We need to be encouraged, we need to be blessed, we need to have words of life spoken over each of us. Right? It has to be spoken though out loud, right? It's not enough to just think it. You know I love you. I don't need to say it all the time. Have you ever heard that? Um, or, you know how proud I am of you. I don't need to keep saying it. No, you do. A blessing is not a blessing until it is spoken. Right? When we say such things, when we speak out words of life, when we speak out words of encouragement, when we speak blessings over people, right, we are actually speaking uh, blessings over their, life, over their life, and it is a creative act. Right? We are created in the image of God. We are speaking something into reality that did not yet exist. Right? God spoke all of creation into existence, and we were created in his image. Remember this, our words have creative power. They carry God's supernatural power, and they can change the course of a person's life. You remember, you remember the mean things that people have spoken over you in your life. Even decades later, and I'm sure you remember the words of encouragement that people have spoken over you, right? Blessings, words of life. Words stick with us. They can shape us. Like, it is, it's like pulling a bow back and firing an arrow, right? The moment we speak a blessing, 
God releases favor, he releases ability, he releases wisdom and confidence and his goodness in all kinds of amazing ways. One word of encouragement, one word of approval, right, can be what helps a person step into who God created them to be. It can literally shape their destiny. Ask yourself this question, where can I speak blessings over people's lives? Who can I encourage? Now, this can be hard if you grew up without a lot of encouragement, if you grew up without a lot of affirmation, right? How do we give encouragement when we didn't receive it ourselves? How do we bless others uh, when we ourselves received very little. So I am here today in large part because of the encouragement, because of the words of life that I received over the years, not, not from my biological family. They weren't very good at that. But from my spiritual family. People in church who came alongside me, right? They spoke words of life over me, uh, beginning when I was a child, into my teen years, right? And all throughout my years as an adult. Spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters, parents, grandparents. I would not be here today if it were not for those people. God's family can actually undo and bring healing to the brokenness that we have from our biological families. The Holy Spirit begins to gift us with the, with the ability not just to see what people are doing that's good, like we can all do that, but he gifts us with the ability to see the potential and to see those gifts, even when they're just in seed form in people, and to speak that out over them, right? It is a prophetic gifting. And then he gives us the courage to begin to speak that out. You know, we talk about uh, among men, you know, courage, courage, you know, gotta have courage, be strong. Uh, I would argue that there's not much more that demonstrates courage as a man than to be vulnerable enough to speak words of life and blessing and encouragement over people, over those you love in your biological family, but also over your coworkers and over your spiritual family. That takes courage. That is not a small thing. It is the act of prophetically seeing the hidden potential in people and then speaking words of life and blessing along those lines. Sometimes the things that the Lord allows us to see about a person um, haven't even begun to manifest themselves in reality. Like it's, it's unrealized potential. 
This is a godly, creative act that brings life where before there was death. It is yet another way that God's light penetrates the darkness, right? Through, through this act, God brings liberation. He brings freedom from this bondage of the, of the false view of ourselves. So the word blessing in the Bible, in the Greek, is eologia, eologia. It's the word we get, like, eulogize from. So at a funeral, uh, people come to eulogize the deceased. Right? Maybe, maybe they were a scoundrel in life. People usually have something good to say about them at their funeral. Well, think about it. Um, why do we wait till a person's dead to speak blessings over them? Why are we hesitant to speak out the good we see in people until they're dead? Now, when you're sitting in rows like this, um, it's next to impossible to do this, right? Speaking blessings and life over one another, uh, they can't really happen in a setting like this. Like, you're all facing me, right? But it can happen in small groups. It can happen as we live life in relationship with other believers. It can happen uh, as we begin to open ourselves up to one another and we begin to actually do life together. That's where these things can happen. Another cool thing about doing life together with other Christ followers is that we can begin to experience the power of modeling, modeling. So as we do life together with other Christians, hopefully uh, we begin to see a better way of doing things, right? We learn to become better husbands, better wives, better parents, right? As a young man, I had a hard time learning to speak blessings over people because I'd never seen that in my own family, my own bio biological family. I didn't see that until I started doing life with other Christ followers, right? And, I, and to be honest, uh, since I didn't see people encouraging one another in my own family, since I didn't see uh, speaking words of life or blessings uh, over us, you know, in our family when I was growing up, when I first encountered this, when I first saw this, I saw it in church, when I first saw this, it was so foreign to me uh, that it seemed disingenuous, fake. But after a while, you realize um, that blessing and encouragement can flow out of you naturally and genuinely, right? Especially as you see it modeled in others. It's funny, even as late as like 2007, when I first went on staff uh, at the last church in Kansas City, uh, one of my fellow pastors, 
he would just so easily, so easily say, I love you. And when he said that to me first, I was like, I didn't even know how to respond. Like, we didn't even say it that easily in my own family, like biological family. But he just, it just was so easy to him. And it took me, I don't know, six, seven years before I could say it back. Like, just in him being himself and being courageous enough to show his love healed me. It brought a piece of healing to my heart. And now I can say that to other people without it feeling weird. It's the power of modeling. And, like I said, it's also the Holy Spirit beginning to show you. This is, the one of the, this is really cool. I've seen this so many times. When the Holy Spirit begins to show you the untapped potential in people, and you begin to speak that out. It's just really cool. He begins to show you what he sees when he looks at people. And if you ask him to do this, he will begin to show you. You will begin to see the potential that God has put in people. He will begin to show you the gifts he's given them, what he's doing in, his, in, in their lives. And you can begin to speak that truth over people. Blessings. Words of life. Right? And for all of us, I want to encourage you today, uh, it is not too late. Like if you're hearing me right now, it is not too late to switch from speaking words of death to speaking words of life over people. Don't wait until they're dead. Don't wait until they're gone to speak blessings over them. To eulogize them. Right? Do it now when it can actually have an impact on their lives. You know this. You know this. A word of blessing can stick with someone their whole life. Right? It can change how they see themselves. It can actually change the trajectory of their whole life. So when it was, it was discovered that we were having uh, issues here, on the elder board at Life Church, uh, one of the suggestions that was put forward, and this came from the chair of our nominating vetting team, Patsy Douglas, was that we would do this very thing, that we would begin as elders to speak words of life, like words of blessing over one another. So I put it on the agenda, and it was actually Doug Newby who had the courage to go first. And he didn't just pick, pick one elder uh, to speak words of life over. He went around the room and spoke words of life over every elder sitting there. Uh, probably took 15 to 20 minutes for him to do that. But I'm telling you, it literally changed the atmosphere in the room. And then we each mustered up the courage to follow suit, right? We didn't have time for everybody to do it with everyone else but we each picked one elder to speak words of life over. I chose to speak words of life over Dave Fournier. So I want to leave you with this. 
As I've said already, uh, words have power. And again, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. So our words have the power to heal or hurt. They have the power to build people up or they have the power to tear people down. They have the power to bless and they have the power to curse. Maybe in the past you've hurt people with your words. Um, Hurt them so much that they remember those words uh, for years, sometimes decades, sometimes for the rest of their lives. But beginning today, you can begin speaking words of blessing and healing and life over people. And in particular, I want to challenge you to speak words of life over your fellow brothers and sisters here at Life Church. I mean, the name of the church is Life Church, right? Okay. We can literally change the course of a person's life by beginning to speak life and encouragement and blessings over them. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you that you would just help each of us to move from speaking curses to blessings, from speaking words of death to words of life. Lord, help us to measure our words carefully and use those words creatively to transform people's lives. Lord, for those of us who find this difficult to do, Uh, Maybe we've never had it modeled to us before. Pray you would give us models in the church of what that looks like. Show those people, Lord, what it looks like to bless others with our words, what it looks like to speak life over people. God, help us to see the hidden potential in people and give us the courage, Lord, to speak that life over them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.